We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have two of our boys from Stony Brook University. And um, we're just going to talk career, right? What they did out of college and what the type of success that they've had since then. Um, I think each of us, each of us are going to share our experiences, how we got to where we currently are and what our plans are in the future. And um, I'm going to say, so we have Gabe and Henry on and Gabe has definitely had an interesting experience that led to his current position. And um, it's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk, of course, about investing because it wouldn't be a black box episode without at least a little bit of investing. Um, but yeah, this is going to be dope and fun and you guys are going to enjoy it. So let's do it. The big picture to get from this episode is that, uh, you know, everyone's path after college is not always what you plan it to be. It's not as smooth and simple as, you know, some, some people may make it seem around you. So yeah. Don't stress too much about not having everything lined up when things come to an end in college. Just try your best. You know, the right opportunity will always find itself if you're doing good work. Yeah, 100%. But otherwise, yeah, let's get in. Yeah, let's do it. We're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement. And it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. All right, Gabe, Henry, can you guys just take a second to quickly introduce yourselves? um sure i'll go first uh what's up guys uh my name is gabriel <laughs> mcguire uh <laughs> went to school with these guys uh and henry live with them uh well, i went to stony brook yeah some c 2016 um and now i'm living in queens with two of my boys and uh working at jp morgan i'm glad to be on the show awesome nice yeah, henry what about you Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Henry. Um, I also went to school at Stony Brook with these boys. Um, graduated in 2020. Um, got a degree in engineering, but pivoted, and now I work as a software engineer um, at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Uh, it's a nonprofit. We raise money for Parkinson's disease and research for that. But yeah, I also live with Gabe in Astoria right now. It's been pretty nice so far. But yeah, glad to be on the show. Been going on bike rides and stuff. It's been it's been good. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like grew up um, in the city, like in Manhattan, and then moved out to Queens when I was in high school. But ever since like I started living in Queens, I definitely wanted to live here like by myself for a bit. Yeah, I feel like I want to go back at some point when I have the opportunity. Yeah, wait. So you said you did engineering, but then you pivoted to software. What were you also doing? What I met was. I was just about to say we were in the. Chem, chemical engineering classes together they were ass <laughs> dude med, yo med saved my life in college i cannot tell you how many times i was like yo can we study we got a crazy final coming up like thermodynamics or like fluid mechanics and all that like are you are you um, are you still working at l'oreal med? i'm 
I have my last week at Este this week. Oh, Este, my bad. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm actually about to move to California in what? two weeks. Where are you moving? I'm moving to San Fran. For what? Like a new position? Yeah, new position at uh, Google. Whoa. Wait, doing what? All right, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know i'm completely ditching chemical engineering but join <laughs> <laughs> yes, the dark side so what are you doing at google uh it, i'm gonna be a partner experience specialist so i'm gonna work with google partners and help them monetize their websites and their apps and stuff so it's a lot of communication and i'm hoping that i am can quickly pick up technical stuff so that I could actually do that. Cause I was going to ask you about how you went from chemical engineering, like by study or whatever into software engineering and what you use to learn everything you needed to know to do your job. Oh, okay. So my path was kind of interesting. I'd say, so, um, I took a number of comp sci courses while we were in school. Uh, like we, we took a number of like programming classes just like for our I, I remember your comp sci classes. I honestly felt like I had a knack for like programming and it, it seemed more interesting to me. And then I had an internship my junior year where I worked at like a petroleum lab at uh, Kohler Instruments. You, you, you worked there too, right? I think for like summer. I think, I think, I mean, I never worked there. I think Moose almost worked there and then he oh. didn't. But wait, there there's someone else from from our program that did work there, right? Hot work there. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I did that for a little bit. It was the most boring experience I'd ever had in my life. <laughs> Testing grease samples in like a lab. That sounds really <laughs> exhilarating. Yeah, I pivoted off of that right after college and I was like, I want to do something more tech related. So um I uh did like a little bit of studying on my own. And then I took a technical interview for like this tech recruiting company that um, puts people with like recent college graduates with tech positions. And so I did studying on my own. I studied like uh, CSS, HTML and SQL. Cause I already had like a decent py- Python background, like, you know, general object oriented programming background. Got yeah. you. So I think that the, the interview itself was on Java stuff, but like, you know, basic object oriented programming questions. And so they told me like, you know, I, I had a good shot at getting a position. And so uh, I had a training course with them for about three months where they taught me Salesforce, which is a, like a customer relations management software. Yeah. Yep. Pretty commonly used one in like um, just in the industry. But so that was like my, I guess my skill that was like a sell. For and then sure. on top of that, I, uh, I got hired for like kind of like a database management slash CRM management position at Michael J. Fox Foundation, where I work now. And so I work on mostly like integration scripts. So I work with like APIs with um, third party platforms that we use. Like uh, we have a platform where we host all of our marathons. And so pulling information, you know, from the marathon donations, all the contact information, all of like the donation numbers and stuff, pulling that into the database. Um, we also host like webinars for like, um, you know, clinical trials or like research updates that are coming out about Parkinson's disease. And so people who attend those webinars will like collect information about like, you know, if they're interested in reaching out to us or hearing from us from some more, or, you know, like if they want to attend more webinars in the future, stuff like that. And so I'll pull that information from like a, 
website API and then put it into our Salesforce instance, which is like our database. And, um, you know, I'll use Python and SQL to write these scripts to um, basically get that stuff into Salesforce. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you, are you happy? Or, I mean, I know, I know the answer to this question. I was going to say, are you happy that you're not doing anything related to your major? But I'm pretty, Uh, I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Yeah. I mean, I would say that what I'm doing now is definitely a lot more interesting than, um, the work experience I had in chemical engineering. Mm -hmm. I do think though, that like the stuff we studied was very cool. I I learning about, you know, the, the physics and the chemistry behind chemical reactions and stuff like that was very interesting, but I wouldn't say that it was the most engaging, you know, like subject in terms of like practical work experience. Yeah. No, I, I remember, I remember when we were in school, there was like the, the whole running, it wasn't like a running joke, but it was basically like a lot of people that did chemical engineering would eventually quote unquote sell out and go into like software, like tech or finance. That was like what everyone was doing. And honestly, I think it's the wave. (laughs) I mean, at least, at least that's where I think that's where the best opportunities are for, for most people at least. Yeah. I guess Especially young people first starting out, I feel like finance and tech is probably where there's the most room to grow and make, I guess, with the price of everything nowadays, but to make actual real livable money and like investable money as well. Because like, I don't know, you've got people that are not disposable income. Yeah. And I'm very lucky to have gotten my job. Yes. But like disposable income in terms of like if you don't live at home anymore and like, you know, in terms of like that growing up mm-hmm. period that I feel like yeah. we're all in tech and finance definitely seem to, yeah, I guess, allow a lot of opportunities. To, I feel like it's like, it's really important yeah. that people our age have an understanding of like a technical stack, you know, like how the, the, like everything communicates. Like if I'm on a website and I click a button, like, what does that do? Where does it go? And like, how is that communicating? Because that's just, I feel like important. And then you can provide value to like most things because most things now run through an application, whether that be on the web or on your phone. hundred percent. And I think just going forward in the future, tech is only going to get more and more kind of involved in our lives, whether we like it or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, right. Yeah. Gabe, you want to talk a little bit about what you've been up to at JP Morgan. So I guess to roll it over to the finance side, cause I have no tech skills. Yeah. We're working at a different place right out of school, right? What were yes. you doing there? Um, it- well, so right out of school, I definitely spent six months collecting unemployment because of COVID and yeah, trying to apply to jobs with no interns. I know you guys had internships, uh, you know, throughout I college. One, yeah. I, I definitely worked more in my summers. Uh, you were caddying, right? Yeah. Um, so six months after I started uh, studying for the loan mortgage initiator or like a loan originator exam, kind of a decently hard test, I guess. It's very like outdated and you go, I have to go to like a testing center in the middle of like Connecticut or something. Kind of crazy. Well, I did that. Is it like a certification? Yeah. Yeah. You got to get licensed to do it. Okay. Nationally because of everything that happened in 2008, especially because of like the ethics side of it. And then there's, there's, I think five different components of it. Ethics, 
like mortgage law. Um, I guess like this is the general like formulas and equations for how you like calculate how much someone's allowed to like take out in a loan and like safely. Yeah. 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 Um, but then then when you get to the real job, it's just a sales job and you're cold calling people in a basement in Long Island and Melville wasn't too fun, especially not for minimum wage. Got you. Yeah. Um, so then I got really lucky in the summer. Did you immediately start looking for something new? Like once you were there, you were like, this is just temporary and then I'll try to find something else. I mean, I definitely knew early I didn't like it because I don't think I'm a salesman. I think you have to have a certain characteristic and almost in your personality to be able to be a salesperson. I agree. And I'm not like that. I can't. Yeah. (laughs) Unless it's something you're passionate about. I feel like people aren't naturally salespeople. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. But you have to be um, very persistent. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially with cold calling people. And it's, it's, it takes a lot. The, the days go slower. But anyway, I got really lucky in the summer. Cra- crazy incident, actually. I got punched leaving a bar. And that's how I got my uh, connection at JP Morgan. And then two months Damn. later. All right. We, you know, we, we need to hear this story. I'll say a really, yeah, really quick version. So it was it was a summer, it was a Sunday, and it was the Euro Cup final, Italy versus England. And I went with, um, you guys know uh, Frankie Marnell, Dan Roma, Seabass. Um, so we were all just all in the city, and they're Italian-American. So we, all, we were all rooting for Italy. We had Italian jerseys. Um, but the bar we ended up going to, because we couldn't get into one bar, because it was packed. So we go to this other bar, which is also packed, but they let us in. It's all English people. A thin people. English bar. Everyone. Thick accents. I swear to God, like they were all, the whole New York community of, of English people were at this bar. So we stood out right away. Whole game goes on. It was a great game. Sick. We made a lot of friends. You know, they didn't love us, but we weren't getting in any fights. You got into a fight and that is the reason that you got your job. And you were at, you, you were going into this one bar and you couldn't get in. So you went into another bar. What it ended up being all the other, it was English supporters. Yes. All right. So this bar is called Carragher's and it's in Midtown. And so come to find out that the owner of Carragher's is Jamie Carragher, who, if you look him up, was an old English uh, soccer player and played really? for Liverpool. Oh, he's a big English soccer oh, player. Shit. Yeah. 
So they like the, out mm-hmm. of that bar, they have like a bunch of club soccer teams and all their crests are like New York, but like with the Liverpool logo. It's pretty cool, but not for an Italian fan. So the game ends up going at penalty kicks. And I don't know if you guys watched the game. Italy ends up saving the last uh, goal to, to yeah. win the, to win the match. Mm-hmm. And so we were prepared. I was like, guys, if England wins, we're good. We can hang out. If Italy wins, we got to get the hell out of here and quick. <laughs> so everyone went. Dude, oh, they no. saved that goal. The bar went silent. And we start, hey, for like five, six seconds. Oh, no. Oh. And, then, and then I'm leading the charge because we're on the second floor of this bar, out the stairs to the street. And we're, we've been drinking, obviously. It was, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys were lit. We're yelling like, Forza Italia, down the stairwell. Yeah. I swear to God, I stepped one foot onto like the sidewalk. I just get decked by this big British guy. Oh, fuck. And then Roma behind me. Boom. He gets hit in the face. So we're about to have this whole brawl. There's the people outside the bar that work there, like bounces and stuff. They're trying to break it all up. I think the guy that hit us ended up like getting back into the first like floor of the bar. So he wasn't even out there. And then this one guy that we just randomly met in the bar who we like talked with for a little bit. He was Italian, but he wasn't an idiot like us. Uh, he was like, guys, don't fight. Like if the cops come, like blah, 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 anything could happen. We're like, All right, word, you're right. I'm not much of a fighter. But I was like on a whim. Do you want to come to Little Italy with us? We're about to go, you know, party because they're obviously turning up on like this bar. Yeah. And we went, he came with us. We got dinner, cigars, wine, and uh, ends up, he works for JP Morgan. He's a, he's a commodities trader right now, but he started off on this team that I'm now on and I've been on for seven months. So it's been really fun. Yeah. yeah, So sometimes just being a good person, like shows more than your resume. Yeah. I mean, having a good time with people like, that business degree lifestyle, I guess, versus uh, <laughs> you guys with the STEM. So I don't know. You can you can network anywhere in any situation. So you're still figuring out a way for yourself to succeed. Yeah, so. and you look like an asshole if you fight. If you can control yourself, if you're not really getting beat up, anything good could come from it. Yeah, I but, think it was best in that situation <laughs> that you backed off a bit, just because the, there were a lot of other people on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you could have you could have been surrounded <laughs> real quick. I mean, you're, you're, you're yeah. a sizable guy. You're six, what? Six four. Four, six, yeah. Four. Like you could, you could do fine, but just with like mad heads, like yeah, eh. the math doesn't work. No. <laughs> yeah, hundred people. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Okay, yeah. So in your position, what are you doing? But more, yeah, yeah, to the to the real stuff. Um, so I'm a trade support analyst i think is the title um my team specifically covers the e-com desk and the options desk so the e-com is like all the stuff that's just posted electronically that you don't even need to communicate salesperson broker trader you're just you know able to click the rate that's posted on i guess the like jp morgan market website that they all are 
or like Bloomberg, which wherever they're all connected, depending on, again, the client, if it's another bank, et cetera. Gotcha. And then the FXO side, which I'm, I've been handling for the past three months. Um, we're predominantly doing like Latin American currencies, but it's oh, so just Forex? like, yeah. So it's basic cool. foreign exchange options products. Um, yeah, it's not so much uh, actually analyzing how the markets are moving and which, you know, uh, currencies are, you know, appreciating versus others. It's much more seeing that the trades from like the, the life cycle of the trade that from booking it to payout or, you know, expiry of it, it's all, you know, maintaining the tacky. system. And yeah, exactly. If there's a break, you know, rate wise, notional wise or whatever the client alleges something we don't see we see something that they don't see stuff like that so it's been so good it's definitely like a, a statistical approach or like um it's more so just making sure everything risk-wise is accurate sense. at all like times makes sense. just yeah. making sure all the controls are are as close to 100 percent as they can because literally a trade being, you know, showing live for a couple of days in one system versus not being booked in another could cost, you know, P and L's that are or profit yeah. or loss, you know, obviously that are a lot of money. Yeah. Crazy is, amounts of money. Is your team or like your like within JP Morgan, is it does it fit like the stereotypical like finance uh, work culture where it's like high stress at like all times um i'd say no and i think a big reason for that is because the fx market is 24 hours a day so gotcha. we are constantly bouncing off our end of day report into the next team on like the other part of the planets uh the other part of the world's uh team, team. so the most three are the big three are Singapore, London, and New York offices. Mm -hmm. um, so London is in, what is the time difference? Five and a half or so. So they leave around 1 p.m. in our day, but from 8.30, 8 when we get in till 1 p.m., there's two teams looking at you know most of the things. Even though there's two traders, it's a lot of like just covering each other and stuff. It's It's really just... Proofreading. Yeah. You, There's a lot of controls like... in place where no one is really making too high stressful, you know, calls or anything like that. Everyone's kind of in agreement by the time it happens. Like, yeah, that's good. You know, cause, um, we had, we had a guest come on in the past, uh, and who he asked is remain anonymous, but he works in investment banking and, he was he was told us some crazy stories about like his team and just yelling and shit in the office. So I was just wondering. Yeah. No, it's definitely not toxic at all. <laughs> uh, um, definitely a very diverse team as well with FX. There's uh, especially Latin American currencies. Uh, my manager's Argentinian. Uh, his manager's Argentinian. Uh, we have uh, another manager on the opposite side of our team. That's from Mumbai. So just like, I don't know, cool. a very worldly vibe. It feels like, yeah, all good people. So 
all have something to bring to the table, a unique yeah. opinion. Love that. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, the team that I'm working with now, my job, most of the developers are based in India. And then my director is in New York, but it's good because I feel like when you have those differing opinions, it makes it easier to find solutions. But yeah, so you, you guys are also NYC based. Do you, I wanted to ask this. I was thinking before we hopped on to record. Do you think that New York City is like alive and well or it's like still like suffering in ways? Because I see, I, I've seen you guys been up to like some fun stuff going to sports games and concerts and whatnot, <laughs> like on Snap and Instagram, like. Huh. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say a hundred percent. You know, I've been seeing a lot of people our age as well. So not just to say just YouTube, but yeah, like of course. the city based people from Sony Brook that I know are from high school. There, there's been a lot of events going on. So I've been wondering how it really feels like to be there. Yeah, no, I'd say it's pretty dope. I say not a hundred percent of like what it, what I'd want the city to look like, especially with how much money is in the city and how much New Yorkers pay in taxes, not to get political, but like, I don't know. I feel like the city itself is really dirty. I think it's really overpriced, but it's very fun. You think there's a lot of things that could be improved on? I think that's not something crazy to say. I think, yeah, I, I think most, <laughs> most people would agree. Yeah. City's always been dirty as long as I've lived here. <laughs> One thing that probably has gotten worse is the subways are just atrocious right now. I feel like that needs a huge overhaul. But, I mean, besides that, I think it's gotten a lot better since COVID, you know, was obviously rampant. Um, they just uh, released the mask mandate um, at all businesses in New York City, which is I guess a blessing and a curse because COVID cases have shot up kind of fast after that happened. But I think it's by this point though, most people are vaccinated at least in New York city proper. And also, um, you know, the, the newer variants of the virus seem to be getting weaker. So seems not to be too, you know, risky, I guess, to be going out and doing things. I, a lot of my friends actually got COVID recently because we've been, you know, going out, going to concerts or clubs or sporting events, what have you. But they all were sick for about a week and they seemed fine afterwards. You know, God bless. It was really good for them. But, you know, like, it's yeah. it's been interesting for sure. No, definitely. I agree with that. Um, I got it too. But by that point, I was vaccinated and boosted and it didn't have as big of an effect as I think it would have if I wasn't. And I, yeah, no, I for sure. I, I feel like... I think most people have probably had it at some point now. I mean, by now, yeah, yeah. I assume so. Wait, John. So, do you? You said you moved from Queens. Where are you? Where are you at right now? Well, to finish up my master's, because the last year was like in person. Mm -hmm. I came back to Long Island. Oh, okay. And so you're by Stony Brook. My last position was went back into the office full time when I was at the my original position. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of in center reach. Nice, nice. Going to work and then also going to class. I gotcha. Uh, now I'm graduating, so I'm moving out. But so I'll, wait, so you were working at Zebra Technologies before, right? No, that was the ad. I was oh. at DDC. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, you. I knew that. No, you told me. So you're, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. working at DDC anymore. I'm at the startup now at Thirsty. Oh, okay. What does your startup do? It's a alcohol e-commerce. Nice. That's definitely blowing yeah, up right now. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
no, it's cool because it's like, you know, they offer a full service and like API and all that stuff. So I'm learning. That was all new to me. I mean, I was a, like aware of what it was, mm-hmm. but I was doing more hardware things in college and for my job. So I never actually got to work with it. Nice, I feel like nice. it's way more interesting. How do you like you? So you like it more than your old job? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a technical support engineer, so I do more like uh, like filing tickets, looking into issues, mm. trying to like give the developers a story before they actually take a look. I got you. And then I also I also handle some other stuff like you know configuration and of third party services. I'll set a lot of stuff up like that. Make database changes. Nice, nice. No real real code changes yet. That's solid. Yeah, okay, I'm looking forward to working in tech just so I could better understand what you're saying right now. That's what I meant about the technical <laughs> stack. Yeah, like so, just understanding how that all works. You know, the, it's pretty cool when you get it down. The the jargon comes with the job, but people will be saying some crazy things sometimes. And I'm just like, like why can't you just speak in normal English? Like, yeah. <laughs> You just do your best to understand it all. Because everyone has their own ways of saying things too. Sometimes it's not always the same lingo. Oh, of course. No, but people will be saying crazy things like, oh, like that's too much. I don't have enough bandwidth for that task. Yeah, like, yeah. Why are you talking like a robot, man? <laughs> and my last position... That was used so much that I had to like start using it just to like no, of course, say things yeah. effectively. But yeah, it's it's weird saying it because then you're just talking about like my time is like you know. bandwidth is like a frequency. Like I know it's so funny. Range. <laughs> um, like a bandwidth is a, is like a range of frequencies that something operates under. Mm-hmm. So like it's just weird to also talk about it in like your time. The time that you can do work in. Yeah, no, I totally get that. You guys want to talk a little bit about investing now, like personal finances? Sure. I mean, or what you guys are up to or looking to try to do. We were talking a little bit about it before, and I was going to say, Gabe, do you think your job, I know you're not working directly with the trading itself, but just being in that environment and talking to those people, your employees or your coworkers, uh, like yeah. are you learning a bunch of things I mean, for your personal finance? Um say kind of but not really in talks with my coworkers because gotcha. what we handle i guess is forex and like it's not yeah it's not a traditional investment I, I don't think yeah, yeah yeah i don't think it's really the traditional way that most um you know you mean you're not a forex trader game? like you know me and you <laughs> you're not platinum five no, thousand i am not in a pyramid scheme I, <laughs> I promise when i say i work in forex it's legit uh-huh <laughs> Just the sheer volume that they're trading with, like it is, it's like to another level of like money. So it's yeah, totally skewed from like a personal finance perspective. But I mean, CNBC is going on all day in every elevator. There's about I'd say forty to fifty screens, just an eye shot of like the trading floor. That's cool. That's cool. Damn. So it, you can never avoid hearing what is going on, even though you know a lot of that is also just yeah, like just it's no trying to make the media trying to blow up a story. I don't know if they're really trying to yeah. they're getting into the nitty gritty of you know personal finance. Um, the market is looking very red, very bearish. I mean, I think that just comes with how we've had to yeah, react to hard COVID, run. and and then. I guess just the ebbs and flow of it all, plus a, a potential world war on the other side of the ocean. I don't know. Just a lot of things 
It's a shaky, shaky oh, no. time for humanity right now. Yes, exactly. Indeed. So, Supply chain issues also probably catching up to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gasoline prices. Like we're, we're suffering the consequences of poor financial decisions that like the world made during COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, though, like if they didn't pump the economy, we probably would have seen this recession a lot earlier. Yeah. It was a very hard decision to make, but I feel like if they, I feel like they could have raised rates earlier, but they were afraid mm. to like turn off the economy. Yeah, oh, for sure. Everyone was making so much money too. I don't think, you know, institutional yeah. investors also probably would not have liked that, but uh, yeah, but people have lost all those gains pretty much of the past year. Like they're, they were wiped out from just this the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, drawback. Yeah. But that's okay because like we ran for two and a half years straight like it's kind of just going to happen or you know two years mm-hmm, for sure and i just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools yo you guys brought up gas prices uh today i i drove my mom's car and my mom my mom has like a big three-row suv and it was my first time Spending over a hundred dollars at the gas pump. Oh my god, that's ridiculous! A hundred and two dollars to fill up gas. Sheesh. Yeah, the one good thing about living in New York City is uh, no car anymore. I don't have to worry about gas and all that like it was in Long Island. Yeah, when I when I move, I'm I'm not gonna have a car, and I'm looking forward to not paying for gas or maintaining (laughs) a car, any of that. Yeah, I was going to say, because California is, what, $2 above the New York average or something? Oh, God. I was so. I was looking, and I think regular gas is around 6 a gallon, something Jesus. like that. No, it's yeah. like five a ga- $5 a gallon in premium if you drive, like, a German or luxury car. Well, that's in New York, right? It's like... We were talking about California. California, it's 6 7 bucks. I'm guessing. That's insane. Yeah. Oh God. Is uh, San Francisco a big commuter city? Um, it's pretty good, but from what I've never actually been there. I'm going there this weekend for the first time for like a preview trip. Nice. But um, from what I've heard, the public transportation's kind of ass, but it, mm-hmm. it's a very walkable city. Like the entire, like it's the entire city is like seven feet wide by seven feet tall or something or i'm not seven feet like wow seven, seven miles, miles and seven miles <laughs> i was gonna say seven the entire city is like this big um but yeah and then um i'd be like the the company has like a shuttle that runs between the office and the city which is kind of dope so Oh, nice. All for me, I just heard all this and I was like, right, so I'm not bringing a car there, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like unless you have an electric car, it's probably not not the move to have a, a gas powered car in California. Oh, for sure. Also, what are you gonna do with the M? I think I'm probably gonna sell it. <gasps> Oof. Oof. Yep. That thing is pretty nice. I mean, it's a it's a good time to sell a car. Yeah. I mean, it'll, of course, it'll hurt, but like money is money, right? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I was going to say, good. it's probably the best time to sell a car, right? Because I, I feel like you and John have both, you know, invested in very nice cars. So, and I don't think you guys have put too many miles on your cars, right? Um, I mean, I, I I've been, 
in the past, I've had my car for two years and I put like, I think 18,000 miles on it, which is, I think Not that's, I think that's below average, yeah. but also with COVID and working from home, sometimes I still don't understand how I put that many miles on it, but like, mm. it's okay. I put like yeah. 35 to 38 on mine, but that was, uh, two and a half years ago now. Damn. It, it's a lot, but, uh. Yeah, I'm also about to be remote and not have any reason to drive. Nice, nice. Are you uh, so, planning on moving, or where are you planning on moving, John, after you're Yeah, I'm school? actually going to move back home for a little bit. Nice, nice. Save that money? Just, yeah, just for a year or two, and then make a move after that. Go somewhere, leave New York, I think. That's definitely the play. Are you, well, where are you looking, like outside of New York? Well, it doesn't really matter. I guess it just depends where I want to go, because my position's remote, and I'll just try to continue to get remote positions nice. but uh i mean if possible if i have to move for a job i will um i don't know i was thinking just somewhere like cheaper south maybe like arizona or i don't know Ooh, okay so you're doing like the digital nomad thing i guess so yeah something like that nice, <laughs> nice. no i've definitely just trying to escape the noise like i don't i don't know if i want to be in a city like or like in a city, but maybe a different city, like a quieter one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, while we're young, it's definitely the time to travel, you know, and get out, see the world. Yeah, my whole family's leaving New York too. So, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh shit. Then, I mean, some of them will still be here, but not my immediate family. Mm-hmm. My uh, manager actually, oh, my manager right now um, is in London, so he also like my company like lets us work remote for um my department because we're all tech related positions we can do all of our work from computers so he originally um is from la i think he moved back home after uh the pandemic started also and all the offices got closed down and then he's like living in london right now just like living working remotely from you know the uk and he's like taking a bunch of trips just around europe on weekends and stuff because like i mean he can work remotely you know yeah and yeah i was definitely thinking about it too it sounds sick he's just like yeah I, i'm you know i'm going to like uh or he's, i think he said he's going to belarus next weekend just like just like you know on a weekend trip yeah dude because once you're in europe the flights are so cheap you know so to get and you can take trains if mm-hmm, you want exactly to, yeah yeah i think that would be dope like if you definitely want to just experience a certain number of places you can go stay there for a little bit find a cheap way to a lot of places you can go, it's usually just a plane ticket that's expensive. Exactly. And then, you know, once you're there, you'll figure out what to do. Some places in Europe are expensive, but you know what I mean? Uh, I, was, no, I was just going to say, like, um, the only thing that he, I think he complains about is, like, the time difference. Because uh, I know in L.A., he, like, works three hours ahead of time. So he'd start at, like, 6 a.m. And then yeah. now he's in the U.K. So he starts later. Think, what, five, six hours. He starts later, but he finishes probably at, like, 10 p.m. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like that is one thing. Like, that's something you got to consider. Yeah, that's not like if you're on the East Coast, it's pretty easy. But I guess it, right when he finishes, he could always just that he could go out and do stuff at that point, and then the morning he could spend taking care of personal stuff. Mm-hmm. But 10 p.m. is late. Like no one's trying to be doing For work sure. that late. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying real estate? Yeah. You guys interested in it at all? Like, or just like acquiring your own property? I guess the time will tell. Um, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out just how to pay uh, my rent, yeah. you know, and, and save enough money in, st- in terms of like not spending 
whatever's left over from, you know, the basic necessities in the budget and rent. Yeah. Uh, so just, yeah, like I'd say getting that it'd be nice in theory to say that my first place would be like, or like a rental property, like that I could like, you know, rent out half of it or rent out two units of it, you know? And I think getting that mortgage, like basic mortgage knowledge um, and stuff and some connections even, you know, with people that could, you know, price me out for loans and stuff yeah. and just tell me like, when is a better time? Um, so I definitely feel like when the time does come, it'd be, it'd be. Yeah. So you're learning the ability to save now. So then when the time comes, you can have some cash to deploy. I'd say I'm battling with the ability to save right now, but yeah, definitely learning. Well, yeah. Cause being young and in the city too, like, yeah, there's a lot of things you want to do and you're living there to also have these experiences. So. Cause it's my first year here and it's way better than Stony Brook and of course, way of course. better than home. So sorry to cut you off on that. Oh no, I was just going to say sometime when you, I feel like when you live in a city, what comes in, like the money that comes in and just ends up going out, whether you like it or not, sometimes it just be like that. <laughs> I definitely spent a lot more when I lived in Queens, but yeah, the only thing I could say, only advice I could give is pay yourself mm-hmm. first. Set that little side money up first. Yeah, the little pot that you put into. Figure out what in your budget you can afford and still be able to have enough to do the things you want to do. Even if that's just a little bit of money, as soon as you get your paycheck, send it off to wherever it needs to go. Another savings account or like a brokerage. For sure. Yeah, real estate's... Mm -hmm. Then you force yourself like... Yeah. Yeah, real estate. Yeah, I don't know. Also, Airbnb is going crazy right now. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. Wait, Airbnb I... arbitrage. I'm not doing any of it myself, but it's uh, there's a lot of people on like social media promoting it now, um, and it really does work. It's pretty much where. Can you explain? Because I'm actually yeah. You could it's you can do it two ways. So there's the Airbnb arbitrage, or just Airbnb being a property you own. It's just that through bookings of Airbnb, your profit like margins can be way bigger on the property every month instead of just maybe just paying off the mortgage Mm -hmm. and then like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks you can pay off your mortgage and then triple that because even if you have it booked for 70 percent of the month because of the way that the rates go especially if you have it in a city so the arbitrage method is where you agree up front with the landlord that owns the property that you're gonna rent the property from them pay their rent the rent they're asking for or maybe a little bit more for this exchange wow and then you put it on airbnb and then you pay him and then you just furnish the property and then pocket the difference so you're like the property manager middleman over airbnb yeah you're airbnb being the property and the person who owns the house is letting you for a certain condition there's no legal issues with that is, whether that be cool. regular rent or i guess uh no I, I don't I don't think they're I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say the legal language has already kind of been like panned out a bit for like how to put that in contracts and leases and Yeah, I don't think it's as much a legal issue as much as um as uh like I know I know a lot of the buildings in New York City are owned by companies, right? And then you're like each apartment is like a co op in that within that company and um whenever whenever you deal with a company and they have like a board of executives or whoever they are i feel like they'll 
they may give you a hard time. So I don't know if New York City is necessarily the spot to do it. It could be. I could, I'm just speculating. But I feel like in Miami, Miami seems like the perfect city to set up an Airbnb mm. like empire. Yep. A lot of people do it in, in Miami or the surrounding area. Yeah. New York is harder. Yeah. Because the buildings are all worth like. I was going to say, so you just got to get the landlord to agree, basically. But like finding a landlord to agree to that is probably, you know, harder yeah. in a city versus somewhere else. Yeah, you're probably right on that. Yeah, it's, you just, I think there's a certain way to go about it. There's like people that have already done this and been successful. So they kind of mm. sell their method to like what to say, how to approach it. Like you need to make it appealing to the. Of course. Yeah. I mean, because you're, you're pocketing all the difference. Yeah. But I guess things like that. Yeah. In his eyes, you're dealing with, yeah. you know, finding the clients or whatever and, you know, all of that. So. Yeah. And he's still getting his rent or maybe a prorated rent. Of course. Yeah. He's getting like his, his piece, you know, probably a little bit more than like what he asked for. Even. Airbnb, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or they probably have to take on like a little bit more risk that it'll be damaged to the place or whatever could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it usually ends up being cleaner because you have like strangers coming in all the time, and then you get it professionally cleaned because Airbnb requires that. Oh. Or you like someone? It has to be cleaned. You know, like, nice. Whether nice. that be by yourself or professionally. That's an interesting method. I was yeah. I did not know that was like a thing. Huh. Obviously it's riskier and requires more work. But I would yeah, love I to get into the that. Airbnb business. <laughs> I've seen I've seen I've seen shit about people, I think it was in Nashville, where some guy was talking about how he had like three I think he had three houses and then like a like a pretty big apartment in a building and he was making like around 30k profit a month and he was mm-hmm. like yeah this basically requires none no effort from me i just had to get things set up in the beginning and now it's just it takes care of itself people book i have people go in and clean and like i just sit and just overlook everything if anyone has a problem i'm there to help and that's it um no, it definitely seems like property in New York is not the way to go if you're looking to actually have a profit margin. If you're looking to just live in New York, like I personally think I am just because of like, again, the finance side, like it's not really, it is the fa- it is the finance capital of, you know, the state. So, you know, California being the tech capital. So I'll probably, I don't know. I'd like to hopefully have like my own studio. Cause I don't think I need a house in terms of size. Yeah. Um, so if I could just have like a studio and that'd be like, I don't know, I'm not too well versed. And if I could make it like an office as well, if I eventually start like an LLC or some kind of business of you know sorts and then yeah, figure out all the benefits like that. Yeah. Um, I know I want to stay close enough, obviously, cause my family's still in Westchester. And then I'll eventually take that house once uh, that's up for grabs. But yeah, when your parents like are ready to retire and move somewhere warmer, or yeah, I think my oh my god, my mom's already ready. So yeah, she's she's done. It was just great talking to you guys. I haven't you know talked to you guys in that long. We should uh yeah let's let's get together and do something soon though. Like if you guys are ever I guess in the city, I know that might be kind of a stretch asking you guys to come out here, but well, I'm not really that. Or, I mean, for Ahmed, it's going to be tougher. But for me, I'm not that far. I'm like an hour from the city. I'm planning to come down and, like, see, you know, the other people like Ziad and them, too. So I'm down. For sure, yeah. I mean, let us know. 
and we could yeah whenever you guys want to come back all, on and, Long Island? yeah yeah hit the park i've been going to stony brook every day too you know the courts over at west nice i i tried i tried to play ball for like a little a little while and then the interviews and interview prep and shit just kind of <laughs> destroyed <laughs> destroyed any attempt yeah. to do something fun but it's over now so it's fine nice and it was worth it too i'm guessing oh yeah for sure bro i'm so happy to leave my company <laughs> so so excited let's do it well it sounds like everyone's on to bigger and better things though i'm glad yeah man i'm uh proud of you guys like i'm happy for you it. that you guys are doing good things you know you're like enjoying yourself and also working in good positions it's funny just like in college <laughs> there were some days we were all like struggling you know like engineering shit was sure, sure. sony brook sometimes it's depressing <laughs> you can say that again yeah and we were all just you know we came a long way and i'm i'm glad to see that and that's why i like having like all our friends on the pod because we're all doing stuff that and providing value for the audience but also we can share like you just kind of do some self-reflection you know yeah, yeah. nice catch oh, exactly it's great i love tuning in too i'm not all the way caught up but i'm, I'm catching up slowly gotcha appreciate that yeah. Hey, Gabe, your your story though is one for the books. I mean, as soon as you said you got punched, I was like, "This is oh, juicy." Yeah. yeah. Pause. <laughs> that was crazy. Like you were stressed about interviews and stuff. I was drunk, and that's how I got <laughs> the door. So, as long as you find yeah. a way, yeah. Exactly. All right, boys. Thank you for coming on, and. As always, you know where to find us at Black Box Podcast. No A in the Black on Instagram and Twitter. We have an A in the Black on TikTok. You can email us if you would like to, uh, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. Ooh, I saw I saw your face light up there. I know you're, you're about to slide into the email, Gabe. <laughs> all right. Thank you, boys, again for coming on. Thank, thank you guys you. all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Yeah, thank you, guys.